You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, kia ora, good morning. Welcome, church. How are you doing this morning? You guys good? 11 a.m., you're looking fantastic. It's so good to be able to be here with you guys and to be able to bring the Word of God today. Welcome to all the guests we got with us, any visitors that are hanging out with us today. So good to have you guys with us. Pray you have a brilliant Sunday. Enjoy your time with us, and we're just so honored that you come to share your day with us. And I want to take just one quick moment just to thank and honor all of our dream teamers, all the people that make church happen on a Sunday. Can we put our hands here with them? The band, the kids team. The ushers, the hosts, the greeters, the greeters, the greeters, the, the I see the greeters, the greeters, uh, the, the tech team, the car park team, like there's so many people uh, that work together to put a Sunday on, and we, we kind of did a rough calculation, there's about, it takes about 150 volunteers every Sunday just to run church, and so you guys are amazing, you do an incredible job, we're so thankful for you, and we're so thankful that you found a place where you could use your God-given gifts to bless the body and bless this church and just uh, be used by God, it's so cool. All right, we're going to go today uh, into part two of our series in the beginning, in the, in the, be, in the beginning, in the beginning. Genesis chapter four. We're going to Genesis chapter four. We're going to a story of two brothers called Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. They are the sons of Adam and Eve, and as they grow up. Uh, Abel becomes a shepherd and, grow, and looks after sheep, and then Cain is a worker of the ground. He produces produce from the ground. And there's this worship moment, there's this offering moment that comes in Genesis 4-3, and that's where we're going to pick up our story. Genesis 4, verse 3 to 7. When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, and he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Now, if you like drama, read on in the story, because somebody dies. One of the brothers kills the other brother. It's kind of, it's, it's intense. Uh, but what I, I want to pause here at just this, this passage right now because I see as I read through this, we see three things that are quite fundamental to our faith and to our walk with the Lord that occur for the very first time in the Bible. And there's some stuff we can learn from that. And there's some things I think that's going to help you and I uh, in our faith and our walk with the Lord. Is that okay? So the first thing we learn is we learn about worship. We learn about worship. It always um, puzzled me why God accepted one offering and not the other. And you ever read that and gone, man, poor Cain. Like, they both bought something that they had, and God accepted Abel's one, but he didn't accept Cain's one. I feel sorry for Cain. I feel like it's, he's, he's a bit hard done by. And, and, and the question is, why did God accept one and not the other one? And the best answer and explanation we have for this is to have a look a little bit closer at the wording used in this text to describe what they bought. See, Cain brought some of, but Abel bought the best of his first. Cain just bought some of the produce, but Abel brought the best of his first. My wife Bex and I, we've been married for nearly 18 years. Got married when we were seven years old. 
It was a beautiful ceremony. That, that lady who came up and said she turned 40 years old, you're lying. You're like at least 28. How is, what have you found? What, are you, what moisturizer is it? I want to buy some. We'll start a franchise. We'll, get, we'll be millionaires. Amazing. But we've been married for a long time. And uh, the, the, the journey of marriage is a constant journey of figuring each other out. Like you're two totally different people different backgrounds, wired differently. And so it's this ongoing journey of understanding one another and learning what, uh, what each other needs and different love languages and just trying to figure that or it's a lifelong journey. Hey, ooh, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't hear any deep voices, amen, that one. There's more female, okay. So my wife, when we were first dating, uh, when we were first, I was first courting her, first dating, and when we first got married, um, I'm going to tell you something that's, that's a bit revealing. I used to write her love poems. Oh, yeah. So I used to write her, like, poems and letters about my love for her. All this kind of thing. I'll still take you on in a fight. Don't get me wrong. I will still throw down with you, but I'll write a love poem too. And she loved it when I wrote her love poems. It was like, it was a lovely thing. It's something she likes and affirms her and all that kind of stuff. And then as we, but as we kind of got older and we got married, we've been married for a little while, those things kind of die out a little bit, right? It's just like, I'm working real hard to get the girl, got the girl. So it's sort of like, they sort of die out. And so she keeps saying to me, babe, I love it when you write me poems. Can you please write me some more poems and letters? And I'm thinking, man, that takes time. So about three weeks ago, I discovered this thing called ChatGPT. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's like AI, AI software. And you just put in what you want, and it does it for you. So I started sending every day, multiple times a day, poems to my wife through ChatGPT. Actually, I wrote one this morning. Do you always want to hear it? Yeah, I thought you would. This one is called... A short love poem for my wife. In your embrace, my heart finds its home. A love so deep, forever it'll roam. With every smile, my world comes alive. In your love, I'm grateful to thrive. Through laughter and tears, hand in hand, together we conquer, understand. In your eyes, I see my endless fate, forever grateful for this love so great. Don't know how many other men in this room have publicly read a love poem to their wife, but, but I have. And so I start sending her these poems. But what I realized quickly is it's not working. Like, she's not, she's not receiving them like I thought she would be receiving them. She, she sees through my, what I'm doing, and, she, and so it's actually almost having the opposite effect. She's liking me less as I'm writing these poems. And, and what, what, I, what I realize is, is it's not just about receiving the poem. What she wants is my heart. Mm. And, and in order for me to give her my heart, it's not just the good intention of a poem. It's not just the, the afterthought of a poem. It's, just not, it's not just the, I should write one, so chat GPT, do it for me. It's, <laughs> it's the heart that, and the time that it costs me to intentionally communicate with her on a level that's deeper than just 
a surface level idea, to actually bring my heart to the table. It cost me something. And the heart of worship and bringing something before God, well, we have to understand what worship requires of us. Worship does not just require an afterthought. Worship does not just require a leftovers. It's not just a whatever I might have on hand. Worship requires the best of our first. If God is Lord of everything, it's not just about having an afterthought about my life with God. It's not just having an afterthought or leftovers. It's the best of my first. And I think some of us, we can get really frustrated in our faith and what's going on in our faith, but we have to ask ourselves this question, am I giving God the best of my first or am I just giving Him some? When it comes to your life and your faith, I'm frustrated by it. Well, what does God have of your life? Does He have just some or does He have the first of the best? When it comes to your home and your family, your marriage, your business, your, your career, whatever it is you're doing, God is asking for the, the, the act of worship to say, God, you get the best of the first because you're my God, you're my Lord. And the challenge is for us in our own faith, in our own journey, is to ask the question, God, what, what am I bringing to God? Am I giving God the best of my first or am I just giving Him the leftovers? It's a big challenge. Second thing we learn about in this passage is we learn about second chances. Uh, any golfers in the house? Anyone playing golf? Yeah, there's a couple. They finished their, they, they, were, they weren't in the 9 a.m. service. I was like, any golfers here? I was like, oh, that's right, it's Sunday morning, they're playing. They're, that's, that's what they're doing. So I, I don't play golf much. I enjoy playing golf, uh, but I, I play terribly. And, but golf to me is more like a big outdoor game of hide and seek. That's what golf is for me. Like, I hit the ball, I lose the ball, and I have to spend the next four hours trying to find the ball. Like, I'm just in the bush trying to find the ball. Normally, I can't find mine, but I do find another ball, so I just claim, hey, it's mine. <laughs> Found it. But what I do have is when I play golf is I have what I call the second chance rule. Now, the second chance rule goes like this. If I'm hitting a tee shot, so I'm hitting the ball, going tr trying to hit it towards the hole, off the tee, and if I hit it and it doesn't go very far, I can say to the person next to me, start counting. And they start counting down from 30, 30, 29, 28. And I have 30 seconds to run out there, grab my ball, bring it back, put it back on the tee, and then hit it again. And if I can do all that within 30 seconds, the first shot doesn't count. Second chance. It's a beautiful thing. The second chance shot. Friends, this faith journey is a journey of a whole lot of second chances. This faith journey is a journey of not getting it right all the time and failing and, and messing up and not hitting the mark or going astray or going off course. And we, get, we have to understand that we aren't going to get it right all the time. And, but the, the beautiful thing is we serve a God of second chances. And, and in this passage, God's talking to Cain. He's like, Cain, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. Cain, you messed up. Cain, you, you were supposed to bring me the right offering. You're supposed to do this, this right, but you didn't. You made a mistake. You got it wrong. And he says, but if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. In other words, go again. Like, there's a second chance for you. This, this journey with God is not about perfection and getting it right all the time and being blameless and sinless the rest of your days. It's about an active pursuit to go after God in greater measure. It's not, it's not about being perfect, but it's about saying, I'm not who I was, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I was yesterday. 
I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And, I, and I'm okay with that. Yes, I'm not perfect, but I'm going after God. I'm going to continue to get up and go after Him and trust that His mercies are new every morning and that He has enough, big enough grace for me and my sin and my mistakes that God will accept me and help me grow. God's response to Cain is, you'll be accepted if you do what's right. And what's implied in that is that Cain knows why his first offering was wrong. And he also knows what to do to make it right in the next offering. And God is not asking him to fix the wrong. He's just asking him to get it right next time. And that's so important for us, right? We're not, we're not trying to cancel out our mistake. You can't. You can't, make your, you can't make right your yesterday, but you can do right in your tomorrow. God is not asking you to cancel out yesterday. He's saying, go and sin no more. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Yeah, you messed up. I talk to a lot of young men. Oh, man, I messed up. Oh, cool, you messed up. Here's what you need. They're like, what should I do? I'm like, get up. Oh, I messed up. What should I do? Get up. Go after God again. Seek God. He's the God of second chances. Go and do what God is asking you to do. Don't sit there and wallow in it. Just say, God, I messed up, but I'm going to get up and go again for you. Proverbs 24, 16, the righteous may fall seven times, yet they get up again. Get up again. That's a word for somebody in the room today. Get up again. Get up again. Here's the question. Where is God giving you a second chance today? Where is God asking you to do what is right? I'm not saying you're canceling out your wrong. I'm saying you an opportunity to take a second chance and get it right this time. The third thing we learn, the third thing we learn about is we learn about this thing called sin. I was in Vietnam recently and uh, I, I was a bit shocked to learn that dog is on the menu. Now I'm a dog person, you guys all know this. It's no secret that I'm a dog person. This is a dog church. If you're, if you're a cat person, we release you to the wider body of Christ. There's a church down the road. It's called Teddy Ministries. They'll gladly receive you. I love dogs. I'm like, we have two dogs at home. If, it wasn't, if I wasn't married, I'd have five dogs. Pray for my wife. Submission issues, but. Um. So I, whenever I'm out and I see a dog, I'm like, I have to meet that dog. I have to, I'm like, a, like kind of a bit psycho, but stalker. Like, I want to meet that dog. Can I meet that dog? I was like, want to meet that dog. So um, I'm in Vietnam, and, they, and I learned that dog is on the menu. I'm shocked. Like, <gasps> I know it's cultural, and it's, it, like different cultures are different. So like, I'm like, and they were like, and they said to me, do you want to try some? I was like, no. There's no way I could try some. If I ate some, you know what would happen? I would get home and my dogs would go, murderer, like they would know. <laughs> Cannibal, like, I've got to face them, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I can't like, go and try. No, I can't. Like, I could not reconcile the idea of eating a dog. I love dogs and I'm into dogs. And then they said to me, well, what about cat? And I thought, well... I'm on the fence. <laughs> Don't really like cats that much. 
I'm allergic to their fur. And, and cats can just be like, cats just be mean. Like a dog loves you. A cat's like, I'm going to throw this glass off the table. And I look at you and walk away like I don't care. I was like, man, maybe cats. I've had bad experiences with cats. I remember one time we had, um, we lived in this house and uh, this neighborhood cat would just keep coming around our house, always coming in our house. Oh man, I'm like constantly putting this cat outside and cat comes in, I'm like, get out. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm placing him over the fence. I'm just gently, gently releasing him out. And uh, th- it was one of those cats that like you, you'd let it out the door, you'd, th- you'd put it out the door. And then as soon as you start to shut the door, you turn around and go, oh, and he's like there. Flip. He's got like a teleportation power. And uh, what happened was, this cat wanted to be our house so bad, um, we had to keep the front door shut, and there was a little hedge outside of our front door, and this cat, what it would do is it would hide in the hedge, and then as soon as someone opened that door a little bit, it was like, straight in the house, like a little stalker. You know what? God describes sin in the same way. He says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It's lurking. It's like an intruder. It's like a predator. And it's just waiting at the door of your life. And, and, and any room you give it, you open the door to it, it's coming in. And it desires to have you. It desires to control you. It desires to have mastery over you. There is this there's this devious sort of sense that you get that there's this thing that wants to come in and just take control of you and your life. If you just let the door open, it's going to come on in. And friends, it doesn't matter how long you've walked with Jesus or how close you walk with Jesus, sin is never far away. It's always crouching at the door, waiting for the opportunity, just waiting for that door to open. And then God says this to Cain, but you must master it. It desires to control you, but you must control it. It desires to have mastery over your life, but you must have mastery over it. It wants to control you, but you've got to be in control. How many people you know that get locked into sin and it's like they're out of control? It's like you can't even help it anymore. So last year I was building a fence at my house and we had to dig post holes for the fence. So I employed the help of one pastor, Dean Openshaw, sitting here on the front row. I said, buddy, can you help me build a fence? Yeah, we'll build a fence. So I go down to, to like Kennard's Hire and I hire a two-man post hole driller. So we're gonna drill out these post holes, right? And so it's, it's a big drill bit on a motor thing. You got handles, each one of you holds a handle on either side and it's going like digs into the ground. The thing is with it, if it, if it hits something hard and it gets stuck, the top keeps spinning. So the bottom's spinning, and if that stops, the top spins. And Pastor Dean is not the biggest man on the planet. <laughs> and so we're doing this post hole boring, and you gotta stay in control of this thing, because it gets wild. And it, we hit a rock, and so the thing jammed, and so the top started spinning, and I got, oh, and I, I let go. Pastor Dean did not let go. So next thing I know, Pastor Dean is horizontal, feet off the ground, flying around the drill, 
and then gets flown three meters across my front lawn and lands gracefully. <laughs> what we learned is either you control that thing or it controls you. Either you tell it where to go or it is going to throw you where it wants you to go. This journey and the journey of every Christian, the Bible says that there is a sin that so easily entangles us. Sin just so easily entraps us and slows us down and holds us back and throws us off course and moves us this way and that. And our job is to control it, to rule over it. And it's really interesting that in one of the very first mentions of sin, God says, you've got to take control. Not, oh, there's sin, let me sort it all out for you. God says, you've got to be the master. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to wrestle with this thing and gain control over it in your life. And many of us, we're saying, God, just get rid of this thing from my life. God, God, just deliver me of this thing and take this thing away. And maybe God is saying to you, master it. It's controlling you right now, but you've got to control it. One of the very first times God talks about sin to Cain and Abel, when he's got murder in his heart, he says, you have to be the one that figures this out and gets control over this thing. And I don't know where you are at in your life, but I do know this. We are all sinners saved by grace. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us has got it all together. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the beginning point of getting that sin out of, your, out of the door of your house is this one thing. It's called repentance. That's where we start. It's saying, I no longer want this thing in my life. It's got mastery and control. I'm taking it back. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to repent of that thing. And I'm not just going to say, I'm sorry, God. What I'm going to say is, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk a totally different way. I'm no longer going to walk that way. I'm going to return back to your original design and plan for me. I'm going to pursue God, not that thing. Repentance. It's turning away. It's starting a different way. It's confessing it. For some of you, maybe like taking control of the stuff is getting some accountability and talking to somebody. Maybe it's, I don't know, building some system into your life where you no longer go to that place or do that thing. Or I don't know what it is. But for some of you, you're waiting for that miracle moment where God just goes, boom, it's no longer an issue. But I want to encourage you. It desires to have you, but you must have it. Desires to control you, but you must control it. This is that part of our faith where it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God, just do it all. No, no, work it out. Work it out. You'll be better when you work it out. You'll be stronger when you work it out. You'll be more, more formed as you work this thing out. Repentance. Living a different way. Band, you guys can come. As you came in uh, today, you would have received one of these little communion uh, thingies. And if you didn't get one, our team right now are going to wander around. They've got baskets with them. Um, they're at the back of the room. They're going to wander through. If you didn't get one, please just let them know, and they will bring it to you gladly. Um, and just hold on to that for a moment. Communion is this beautiful reminder of the finished work of the cross. Communion reminds us that I'm not right with God because of what I've done. I'm right with God because of what He's done. 
I'm not perfect in myself. He's perfect for me. It's interesting that the offering that God accepts from Abel is a, is a lamb. That's, the, what, that's what's acceptable to him. The best, the, the best of his first lamb. And then we go forward to the cross and we have the best of the first. The lamb of God, Jesus. Wow. And through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, you know what you and I get? A second chance. A second chance. We get the grace and the mercy of God to go again. Yeah, you're going to fall and stumble and mess up. You're human. We get it. But get up and sin no more. And then, beautifully, amazingly, conquered death in the grave, paid the debt of our sin, that we no longer have to live as slaves to our sin, but can live free in Him, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So friends, as we prepare to take communion together, I'd love for us just to pause for a few moments. Just, if I could ask everyone just to close your eyes, bow your heads before the Lord, just for a moment, because I would love for you to take a moment in your own heart to examine your heart, ask the Lord to examine it. Say, God, is is there something in me that I need to deal with before you now? Have I let sin come in and entangle? Am I tolerating it in my life when I need to gain mastery over it? God, am I giving you in my offering, in my worship to you? Am I giving you the best of my first or am I just giving you the leftover? Am I just giving you some of? Lord, help me to align my heart to give you the first and the best of everything. Lord, we thank you for second chances. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you, Jesus, that we are not here and we don't don't stand before you as those who've had to earn their way to you, but simply those who have received the grace and the forgiveness that comes through your work of the cross, your body broken, your blood shed for us. Thank you for doing what we couldn't. Thank you for paying the price that we couldn't pay. What an amazing God you are, that you would humble yourself and come in human form and live that sinless life, but then die a criminal's death on a cross that we would be forgiven, that we would be reconciled, that we would know life in you. So Lord, we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, let's eat and drink together. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. Um, just hold on to your communion cup. There's going to be team and bins at the door. You can drop those off when you get um, when you leave at the end of the service. So just hold on to those for a moment. I'd love to play, pray one more prayer today. If you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, maybe your life is not right with Him. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Him. Or maybe you'd be honest with yourself today and say, Steve, I am not right with God, but I want to be. 
There is sin in my life. I have walked away from God. I've been living my own way, but I want to get right with God today. I would love to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. The truth is, friends, God loves you. God made you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. We all sin. We all mess up. We all fall short of God's standard. And the payment that's due for our sin is death. And God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself everything that you and I would do for our sin. And He conquered death in the grave and He rose again to new life. And He extends to every single person here today, not judgment, not condemnation, but grace. Forgiveness for all your wrongs. A new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the plans that God has for you. And then, friends, there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're here today, you're not right with God, but you want to be, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'm going to pray this out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you got. I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again. I don't want you to make an emotional decision today. I want you to, if you really want to follow Jesus, this is the moment. I want you to do it lightly. There's a cost to following Him. So if that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to get right with Him, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. I'll pray it aloud. Just say these words. Say, God, today, I give you my life. I know I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. So today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. All the wrong in my life, I turn away from it. And I turn to you. I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Take control. I choose from this day to follow you. In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, well done. I'd love to, I'd love to know if you did pray that prayer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And if you pray that prayer, either for the very first time or you're getting yourself right with God today, I want you to be really brave right where you are when I, when I get to three, and I want you to put your hand up nice and high. And I'm not doing that to stand you up. All I'm going to do is I'll see you, I'll acknowledge you, and you can put your hand straight back down. What I'm asking you to do is to take a little step of faith. Just put a little bit of action to the decision that you made today. Are you ready? If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands going up nice and high right now saying, yes, Steve. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you right down the back, brother. I got you. Awesome. Right here in the middle. Thank you, boys. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, up the top. Got you. Brilliant, brilliant. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me, that's me, that's me. Count me in, count me in. Praise God. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing here. Lord, we thank you for hearts and lives turned around. Lord, this is what it's all about. Lord, we love, we love seeing lost people come home. Lord, we love seeing the lost saved. Lord, your heart is for the lost. And so, Lord, thank you for leaving the 99 to go after the one. Lord, we thank you for each life that has just said yes to you. May you bless them. May they know the infilling and the goodness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Lord, may they never look back. From this moment forward, following after you, we bless them as a church in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for all those people? Absolutely awesome. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.